This is the Creative Agency Podcast, where we explore the strategies, aspirations, methods, and mistakes behind growing and maintaining a successful creative agency. Hello out there. Get ready for another client-winning, agency-growing, bottom-line-enhancing episode of the Creative Agency Podcast. My name is Chris Bolton. I'll be your host. Today's interview is with James Loomstein. James is an agency owner in Dallas, Texas, a college professor, and regular speaker at digital marketing conferences such as PubCon. I'll be talking to James about the many aspects of the agency journey, from marketing and project management to specialization and pricing. But the story that runs through the interview is how to take your business to the next level by offering more valuable services at a higher rate. As always, I'd love to hear from you. Questions, feedback, hit me up at creativeagencypodcast.com or chris at creativeagencypodcast.com. Also, I'm loving your five-star reviews in iTunes. Thanks to everyone who's done that. If you haven't, it really helps to boost the visibility of the show in iTunes. So please take a few seconds to do that. Thanks so much for listening. And let's get to that interview. All right. Well, I'm here today with James Loomstein of Rogue Marketing. This is actually our first Skype uh, VoIP recording of the podcast. Uh, James, you're in Texas, correct? I am. Uh, we're based out of Dallas, Texas. Awesome. So I'd love to hear about Rogue Marketing and how you grew the agency and um, all sorts of things. So I think we'll probably just jump into some questions. Yes. Um, and thank you very much for having me having me on and Love to share my story and background and awesome. You're actually I you're a professor as well. I am. I'm an adjunct professor at SMU Southern Methodist University here in Dallas, and I teach a class called Social Media Entrepreneurship. And um, I've been an adjunct uh, for the last for the last two years now. And the whole idea of the class is how these uh, how these students and who have ideas for businesses how they can leverage social and digital and, you know, the things that you and I use on a daily basis, um, how they can use these tools and tactics and platforms to grow and scale their businesses. That's awesome. So how long has uh, uh, Rogue Marketing been in operation? So Rogue is the combination of, uh, of two agencies coming together under one roof. So uh, my background is uh, I graduated college in, in 99. I went into the corporate world in the, in the marketing and sales consulting, if you will, and then found my way into Verizon and did some working with them with superpages.com back when that was the thing, and then went to grad school um, at SMU and then found my way into the agency world working in Omnicom. And so I spent seven years working in Omnicom and then saw there was a real need in the market for small and mid-sized companies and brands that know they needed to be online, but they couldn't really figure out. Mm -hmm. This was 2009, 2010. I left that world and started doing freelancing um, and started Digital Space Consulting, which was my company at the time. And along the way, I met a, a, a great partner in Chip. And um, you know, my background was in digital and strategy and tactical. And Chip was a great in the world of branding and storytelling and amplifying companies and really telling their story. And so a couple of years ago, um, I had found a couple opportunities and I said, hey, you know, we should really work together and collaborate. And there was a, you know, a couple of chance encounters where we 
actually shared a client together. And then there was the next client we shared together. And then we started sharing resources together. And then we got an office together. And then it just kind of made sense that we should kind of morph our agencies together. And so it really came to a head in 2000, the end of 14, um, all of 2015. And then we brought both agencies together legally uh, January 1st, 2016. So this is like month number two under one roof, but we've been together for the last two plus years now. Oh, wow. That's great. Seems like a good combination of talents as well. It, it has been. Um, and the fact that I came from the agency world, digital and tactical, and Chip came from the world of brand and corporate and storytelling. Mm-hmm. So that's been a good a good combination. Can you explain the name Rogue Marketing? Where did that come from? So how we came up with the name, um, it really came out of doing and, and getting noticed. So, you know, we have a saying that different is being better than better. And in some cases, the notice is very positive and the clients have a have had a successful win, but sometimes that recognition can be negative, right? So oftentimes mm-hmm. it comes in the form of a, a friendly fire. So from the other team members or someone saying that, wow, that was a really rogue thing to do, or wow, that person has gone rogue. Or, you know, I used to work in uh, the agencies and, you know, they, they would, we'd sit around and have strategy planning sessions and they would say things like, oh, that's a really rogue idea. Or Chip would be off in his world and he would come up with these great marketing ideas or campaigns and be like, we work at this corporation and we can't do things like that because we have to color inside these lines and that's just too rogue and et cetera. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of where the, where the name came from. And so the whole idea um, behind our website and the URL, so this kind of go rogue has been um, the mantra of the company. And, you know, for some clients, it fits really well. Uh, for some prospects, it fits very well. And for for others, it, it doesn't. Yeah. I mean, it kind of communicates a spirit of adventure. Yeah. That's, that's cool. Like a sort of like a badge of honor, if you will. So it's mm-hmm. more than an original thought. It's more of a trait. Um, and then also it's the trait that we look for when we bring on new people, honestly. Nice. Uh, speaking of people, how many employees um, do you have under Rogue Marketing? Uh, so right now it's three full time. Um, and then we also have four dedicated contractors who are part of the Rogue team, or we call them like the Rogue Nation. Um, mm-hmm. And then we also fill in with um, four additional and specialized skills. And then we also have a core team of uh, partner agencies. And, mm-hmm. and so my b- belief, and if you Google me or look at previous presentations I've given at PubCon or other conferences has been this idea that the that the 500 person plus agency, I feel like those days are ending and and everything has become far more specialized and far more tactical. The full service, there will always be a need for the, you know, the the big multi-agencies who service the big, the big corporations. But for everybody mm-hmm. else out there, you know, who services the mid-sized companies, the mid-sized brands, they need people like us. And they need people who are really good at X. And so if you were to imagine a, a conference table and several chairs around it, they need people who can sit, who are like the best at user experience and design, who are the, the best at development, the best at paid media, the best at SEO, the, you know, the great 
um, content writer, the great analyst, the, the great person at X, Y, and Z. And so when we look to build our team, that's sort of how we build our team. We're like, we fill in with the people who are the paid media specialists, the SEO person, the content person, the, the web analyst person, the, the great graphic designer, the great writer, the great storyteller. Um, and, and that's how we've decided to, to build our team moving forward. So you do, I mean, offer a lot of services and most of those are sort of going through contractors? As needed. So, but, mm-hmm. and we'll get into this, I, I believe later in the conversation, we've really scaled back and the focus of, of Rogue has been around three core principles. So mm-hmm. we build brands, we amplify channels and we minimize risk for our clients. Um, we had a conversation and this has been a real a point of rogue, and honestly, it was a point of digital space uh, over the last two or three years, is that you can be a wandering generality or you can be a meaningful specific to your clients. <laughs> and at this stage, if you're, a, if you're a small agency, you cannot be an expert in everything. And if you are a one person or a three person, a five, a 10, you cannot sit here and offer 20 different services to all of your clients. Like, and nor can you be an expert in all of those things. So you have to decide the thing that you're the best at. To that point, um, we're good at, you know, the digital strategy. We're good at coming up with campaigns and ideas. And the things we're not good at, you know, we outsource or we bring in partners um, and we bring in um, those dedicated people to work on our team. And we make that incredibly transparent with our, with our clients. But one thing I think is important for growing agencies and one thing that has been important to us um, to really focus in on those two, three, four things that you do and do really well and be known for those things and not say, yeah, we're an SEO agency and a pay-per-click and a paid media agency and we do websites and we do mobile and we do, you know, user uh, UI UX and we do content and we do because you don't, Mm -hmm. right? You can't. Well, um, what was the hardest lesson you had to learn when you were starting out in the agency business? Uh, going deep into a skill and being a meaningful specific and, and not a wandering generality. So uh, for me personally, I spent seven years in, in Omnicom and seven years working in these big agencies, you know, your New York, your Chicago, San Francisco offices, um, and pretty much getting my ass kicked. Every two to three years, working in client services, working in the strategy group, thinking I was super smart, and I wasn't. And I just kept losing, and I kept getting my ass kicked. And what ended up happening was I was the sixth man on the team. I wasn't the guy getting the ball at you know when when it was crunch time, and we had to work on a project. I wasn't the one getting called on, and I'm like I couldn't figure out why. I'm like. Why is it that every three years or every time there's a cut, like, why am I the, why is it coming down to me and a couple other people? And it's because I didn't have the skill. I didn't, I wasn't the person that had X. So if you were to look at the people now who do really well, they're known for the thing Mm -hmm. and I didn't have the thing. I was the wandering generality. 
I was the client services, the liberal arts, the like, yeah, he's good. He's smart. He's great to be around. He's good in our office. But when we need X done, he's just like everybody else or she's just like everybody else. So why do we need that? And so I, I specifically remember back in 2006, 2007, just got married and sitting there with my wife. And I'm like, is this going to be our reality? Like, is this what it's going to be like every three to four years in the agency game? Because I've been in it for the last four years. I'm like, is this what really happens? And I'm 20, 26 at the time, 27 at the time. I just graduated from MBA school. I'm like, please tell me this is not what life is like as a wandering generality. And so I decided that, you know, you've got to get deep in something. And there has to be something that that separated you from everybody else. And it sure isn't just a pleasing personality or the ability to be witty and charming and crack a couple jokes. <laughs> and, and so and that, and, that, and that line in the sand at the time was around uh, local and SEO and paid media and Facebook and social. And it took getting really smart at those things. And in 2016, like that's not the line anymore. So it's something else. So the hardest lesson that I learned in starting out was don't be a wandering generality, get super smart at something and get super specific at something and be known as the person who does X. So if you were to look at like a basketball team, like there's the person who's the best at the free throws, or there's the person who's taken like, this is our three point shooter, or this is the person who lays down the perfect bunt. I didn't have that role. I was the wandering generality. And that's the biggest lesson I think I learned probably back in 2006, 2007. And I was always learning it too late. And as soon as I learned it, like it was already over. That's great. That's great advice. And yeah, I, I relate, I relate to it as well because I also, um, specialized in SEO and that's kind of where I started getting my feet in marketing. It really helps to, to have that sort of focus. So what kind of marketing have you done with rogue? So when I was starting off early on, when I left the agency world and went out on my own, um, honestly, it was about showing up. I went to the 7am networking breakfast, the Tuesday night meetup, the Wednesday night, 9 p.m. event, the 12 o'clock luncheon, the Saturday morning WordPress group. You know, why we speak now and teach now and advertise now and do more now. The primary source today is about referrals and client, uh, client contacts and, Hey, you did this for, you know, we did this at this client and, but really it was showing up, participating, being involved in groups, doing the, um, uh, online forums, the like Moz community, going to PubCon events, being at meetups, and actively just showing up. And mm -hmm. I firmly believe and always believed nobody ever got a job or a client sitting at home waiting for the phone to ring. And every time that, you know, a layoff came or a client left or whatever the case was, it was always important to me that to get up and go out and network and hustle and, and find opportunities. 
And so that was our marketing was just literally showing up and going to every event possible. And sometimes that's much easier in Dallas, right? In this community, or if you work in a Chicago or Denver or Phoenix or Atlanta, if you live in, I don't know, Topeka, Kansas, I can see how that's a little bit more challenging. But, you know, if you're in a large metropolitan area, like there are opportunities abound and just leaving and getting involved. That's how I started. And, and that's how I grew. That's great. What is one shift um, or change that really moved um, your business to the next level? So first, there's always another level, right? Right. So, but to answer your question, I think it was first, uh, it stopped by being all things to all people. And second, we sat with our clients and said, this is us. Who do you think we are? So they looked at this like laundry list and said, this is your reality. You're not these 10, 20, 30 things. You can't do all of these things. So like I said earlier, right? Mm -hmm. You can do these two, three, four things. You're the best at this. You're going to be known as this. So we focused our efforts. We found our core. We told our story. You know, we build brands. We amplify channels. You know, we minimize risk. Um, and that has been the story and the narrative that, you know, we've been able to tell. That's the story I started telling with, with digital space in 2014. Um, it's the story that allowed, uh, the ability to grow into larger clients, larger retainers, larger projects, and get away from the, from the one-off projects and the, Hey, go build me a, you know, a $5,000 website and do a $2,000 a month retainer. Um, you know, and to be able to scale into, into larger opportunities. And it's the ability um, to, to scale now into more retainers, more projects, and, you know, and be invited to a seat at the table for, for larger brands. So how, let's talk a little bit about how uh, Rogue Marketing is doing right now. How's your workload? Are you bursting at the seams, even keeled? What's, what's your outlook? No, so, you know, we're obviously in growth mode, just like everybody else. And, you know, when, when digital space, uh, and, and rogue came together, there was a, obviously a book of business. So, you know, just merging together that brought together 10 plus clients, um, together under one, under one financial statement. And now it's about finding that balance of growth and scale and, and operational efficiency. And so what happens to most, and this is a problem among every agency, and really a big problem among freelancers who are trying to grow or, hey, I'm going to go bring on a project manager or, you know what, I'm going to hire that contractor because I can't do all the work myself and I can't duplicate myself. So I'm going to go out and charge $100 an hour and I'm going to pay them $50 an hour and I'm going to make that margin. Mm -hmm. And that's how I'm going to make my money. And every freelancer thinks that's how they're going to make their money. And the reality is they're not. But that's what they all think they're going to do. So what ends up happening is their sales go up, but as their sales go up, their margins shrink because they bring on these contractors to do the work, but also their expenses go up and they forget about the expense part. They forget about the contribution of, of time. And then they also forget about the taxes part. Mm -hmm. And so once all those, uh, all those factors start playing in upon themselves and compounding, even though there's, their sales went up exponentially, their net profit ends up shrinking. And so all that extra effort that went into it wasn't even worth it. 
and they would have been better off just, just staying and doing everything themselves. They bring on these incredibly great contractors who are really expensive and they pay them so the contractors are happy. Mm-hmm. The clients end up being happy because they get a higher quality of work. So why they went, why wouldn't they be happy? And then the agency owner or the person ends up being miserable because they don't make any profit anymore. How do you manage that issue with the contractors that you employ now? Uh, that's, that's where operational efficiency starts to come in. And that is where you have to start balancing the types of clients you go after and the types of clients you work with. Um, I see this from a lot of small agencies, and this is really important, in that small agencies and freelancers are used to quick turns. They're used to going after and getting the one-time project, the, hey, you know, do an SEO audit for me for 1500 bucks or 2500 bucks or $3,000, right? Mm-hmm. Or go build me a website for five grand. Well, you know what? Those are easy. And they're, they're pretty much low. They're low cost. They don't require a lot of decision makers. The turnaround on the sales cycle isn't very long. And you can scale that pretty fast and you can do it yourself. And you can, you know, you can do that yourself and, and be okay. What ends up happening is that same person where they're like, all right, I'm going to make the shift and go after the larger client and bring on these people. The one thing they they don't consider is the sales cycle. And they don't consider that instead of dealing with the CEO who makes all the decisions and does everything themselves, well, now they're dealing with companies and brands. And companies and brands move a little bit slower. And there's a process and, a, and there's a... Uh, accounting department and there's a board and there's people have to make decisions. And so pitching somebody for a $5,000 website that they can make a decision and like, I'm going to make that decision and you can start next week and here's the check is a lot different than pitching a 50,000 or a hundred thousand or $150,000 project that might take them six weeks or eight weeks or two months or a year to make a decision to do. Mm-hmm. And so th- these people, the agency owners they either can't handle or they run out of time or capital to be able to wait out that patience. And so it becomes a very vicious cycle. And so patience becomes a very a, a very big key contributor for, for growth. Yeah, I know that we've experienced that ourselves as we've taken on larger clients. It, yeah, projects get a lot slower. You have to put a lot more energy into keeping stakeholders on board, keeping things moving, getting content from clients. Is there anything you would recommend to an agency that's trying to get to that point, like the sort of skills and or people that you might need to have around you to sort of make that leap? Here's another thing I've noticed. The people who are really good at development or they're a really good graphic designer or they're like they had that skill, right? And they're like, I'm going to go out and turn this into a business. Well, just because you're a good developer or just because you can make pretty pictures doesn't mean you're a good business person. Like those are two completely different skills. Just because you're a good doctor doesn't mean you should run a practice. Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Um, And I think it's really important that you have those business people around you because like, like doctors, the number one profession of bankruptcy is doctors. 
because they're really good at being doctors, but they're really bad at being business owners. Yeah. And I hate to see that happen. I see it so often with like these really killer developers and really killer um, analytics people like all the time, like they're the best at this, the thing. And they're like, well, if I could just go out and find like six more of me and then we could scale and I could be a millionaire and, you know, I can make margin off of these people and, you know, I can pay them 50 bucks an hour and I can charge 150 an hour or 250 an hour because that's what I charge. Like that is not how it works. And they think it does because they're like, I do it. So why wouldn't it work if, for other people? And that's not the reality. And because they don't have perspective. What are your growth goals for um, Rogue Marketing? Um, I probably like every other agency. So, you know, we're a million, uh, about a million last year. Uh, I'd like to be in that three to five million range in the next two, three, four years. Mm-hmm. And that's top line revenue range for professional services fees, which, you know, sounds highly doable given our, our labor and our headcount, the types of clients we work with, you know, considering all those factors, I, I feel like that's a good, a good range for us to be in. Mm-hmm. What do you think are some of the biggest challenges um, facing your business right now? Deliverability and process and even larger agencies struggle with that. So, you know, why wouldn't we? Uh, and then the, the second thing that we probably face, and this is a problem everybody faces around talent and following that with retention. So this is the knowledge-based economy that we lived in. And it's about having the smartest people as possible on the bus, right? So everybody's smart in this world. It's an open book. You work in internet marketing, it's an open book test. Oh, you read Search Engine Journal? So do I. You go to MozCon? Great. So do I. Like, we all read the same blogs. We all go to the same conferences. We all follow the same people. It's about how they think. It's who's the lifelong learners and who's not. Who likes to tinker and who doesn't? Everybody has the same MacBook computers. Everybody has the same iPhones. Everybody has the same Google Analytics. Everybody goes to the same 10 blogs every single day. (laughs) So it's about literally finding the right talent, finding the people who are the lifelong learners, um, and then retaining them and and keeping that intellectual capital. Uh, The things I think we do really well at is the strategy and planning. Um, and then I think we're really good at finance and we're really good at operations. And that's honestly a product of our backgrounds. Nice. Um, well, let's talk a little bit more about specialization. How would you describe, um, you mentioned a little bit before, but how would you describe your USP, uh, unique selling proposition to a potential client? Fundamentally focused in guiding growth oriented, mid-sized businesses and brands to be more strategic, greater performance by building their brands, amplifying their channel communications and minimizing their spending risk. Like we are extremely focused on who our customer is and extremely focused on who our customer is not. So we work with mid-sized companies and mid-sized businesses and brands. We help them in those three areas around building their brands, amplifying their channels and minimizing their risk. So we know who they are. We know who they're not. If if you're Pepsi or you're Ford or you're PNG and you're putting out an RFP for a new agency or record, we're probably not the right fit for you. We also know that if you're a brand that's looking for an agency that just executes, we're not that either. And we're probably not the best fit. And we want to help companies and brands grow. Um, our passion is in the strategy, 
the building, creating campaigns, developing roadmaps, uh, designing marketing positioning strategies, and bringing products to market. If it's about um, go buy these keywords or create X landing page, you know, we're not a fit. Gotcha. Um, we know who is. We know who we can connect you with. And you know, I fundamentally believe that there are two types of agencies now. There are strategy and development, and there are and there is tactical execution, and companies have to pick one. That makes a lot of sense. Uh, what does a client presentation usually look like? Um, how how do you differentiate when you're presenting to a client? As I mentioned earlier, I came from the agency side, which gives which gives me an incredible amount of perspective. Working in Omnicom, working on those brands, having the opportunity to watch these strategist people work in the way their minds think like the opportunity to sit there and watch them work on Procter and Gamble and Lexus and Marriott and huge brands and make big decisions and really drive, really drive things. You you can't, you can't replace that. You can't read that in a blog. And then also, you know, chip coming from the brand side and working on EDS and, being a practice a, man, uh, a practice director in a consulting company and sitting in the CMO seat of the brand side, I think those things matter. Um, so when it comes to to client presentations, you know, we use that to our advantage. Um, we use it to tell stories and help frame perspective about how we would build brands and draw upon previous experiences and not say, Oh, you know, here's a pretty wireframe, or this is how we would allocate, you know, your fifty thousand or a hundred thousand dollar budget, right? So, this is real world experiences based on our previous backgrounds that are going to help your brand move further faster. Let's talk a little bit about project management. Um, what is your project management philosophy or strategy? So as you as you scale, it becomes even more critical. So when it's just you and you're freelancing, you can, you know, you can get by with Excel or you can get by with Google Docs. And but as you grow, it becomes about being efficient and it becomes about being operationally efficient because your biggest asset is your time and you're in the business of selling time and you're also trying to protect your margin. So Everything we do is about how do we protect time and how do we make ourselves operationally efficient? So whether that's through communication tools, uh, we use Slack, um, project management tools, we switched to Asana back in 2015. Previous to that, we were on Basecamp. You know, whatever we can do to help operationally move things through for our teams, like that is what we will do. And there are no shortages of tools out there. Believe me, like everyone's got a tool. Like there's always a tool. Yeah. It's about finding the right tools that work for your team. The other thing that, that I found is developing those processes and having them in place for when new people come in. And so when you bring on that new contractor or that freelancer or that full-time employee, you're like, this is the process and this is how it is. And so when they start, they're like, this is their reality. And it just makes things so much easier rather than trying to figure it out as as you go along. Do you have dedicated project managers on staff? 
Um, we do. Uh, right now, one of them serves as an account manager, project manager, which is a which is which is not good, honestly. Um, we had an amazing project manager uh, up until 2015. She was she was great. Uh, we lost her at the end of 2015, and I share that story for for a reason, in that she was so great, in that she gave us great processes and outcomes, even that we still use today, honestly. So she came in and the in 13 or yeah, I think 13 and worked for like for a while and developed these processes, developed these frameworks, said, here's what happens with new hiring onboarding. Here's what happens when a new client starts. Here's what happens for this. Here's how you're going to handle freelancers. Here's how good cop works. Here's how bad cop works. Here's how hours are managed and tracked. Here's how this happens. Like fundamentally changed my way of thinking, how we became more efficient with hours, how things get tracked and managed. It was fantastic. So I think project management, non-billable people who work on your team are critical to your success and your growth. And project management is a skill. If you're going to grow, you cannot do without. Like you have to find an amazing project manager to be part of your team. And even if you bring them in for a little bit to just set up processes that you follow later, like one of the things we're doing now, even if you find that person, just set everything up for you and they go and leave after that's fine. But just setting that stuff up to start will take you so much, will take you so much farther than not having them at all. And even though I realize they are non-billable, very critical to the operational and growth of, of the organization. Yeah. How, how do you prevent um, scope creep on your projects? Uh, bigger projects, uh, solution architects, smaller projects, it's honestly much more difficult. One service that we start, that we offer is, is called uh, Ignite Session. Uh, another service is a go-to-market positioning strategy. These are great solutions and great standalone services uh, to clients. Um, they also inherently have a, a certain level of protection built into them. So they're opportunities to work with, with the client. They're opportunities for the clients to work with us, the creative foundation. They help us develop a strategy and a roadmap for the client. Uh, it's an opportunity to look under the sort of look under the hood, if you will, um, to create deliverables. Um, and it really helps protect against blindly bidding on creating the, the new website for a client. So in other words, when you know the client calls you up and says, hey, can you build a new website for us? And you're like, but that's just based on the 20 minute presentation we have. And you're like, uh, okay. And then you say 30,000 because you think so. Like that's just a terrible way to, to work. So starting off with these you know, discovery sessions and charging for them or setting up um, these ignite sessions or roadmaps or blueprints or literally whatever buzzword you want to call them and creating these sessions, tying them to outcomes, helping these brands move further and really identifying what they need and getting paid for them mm -hmm. um, helps them and helps you because you're not blindly doing it. And the other thing I've, I've found is Typically in these brands, they're calling an agency because like a new CMO came in or a new somebody came in and they're like, 
we're, we're going to go do X. And you get down to it and they're like, hey, we got to go do paid media. We got to go do whatever. And they're like, well, what's that based on? And they're like, well, because the other person was doing it. I'm like, well, just because they were leading doesn't mean they know where they were going. And then you you do these sessions and you really find out, you know, is this really the direction we need to be going in? Do we really need to do this website or should we do something else? And so it really provides an opportunity to decide, is this the right, was this the right thing we should have been bidding on or should we be doing something else? So you'll basically charge for a discovery process before you charge for, you know, like a website build or something like that. Yeah, ideally, if it's a, you know, if it's a big project. Now, obviously, if it's like, hey, we need, you know, some landing pages, but that's not really the world we live in. Like, again, if they're looking for just tactical execution, we're probably not the right agency. If they're looking to you know, build their brand, identify the right audiences, develop a strategy, then Rogue, you know, Rogue is the right partner. But if it's go execute, then, you know, that's not, that probably isn't our world. There are tons of great people who are just great at execution. And, and we're really a digital strategy agency. Mm-hmm. And I think that's where the real difference is. Yeah. Like I'm not a, a pay-per-click agency. I'm not a SEO agency. I'm not a and, you know, that's the wandering generality. Yeah, we do that agency. Like we really sit there and critically think about what's the best campaign? How do we tell the best story? How do we move this brand, connect with our audiences? What levers do we pull and build that? And then if we need to go out and partner with an agency or bring in this resource and then go and do this. Well, it seems like a smart way to do it. Um, let's talk a little bit about finances. You, uh, mentioned that you did a million dollars last year. Mm-hmm. How much does a typical rope marketing project cost? Uh, so on the website, the website side, mm-hmm. you know, anywhere we've done website projects that have been the 15 to 25 range all the way up to, you know, a hundred thousand dollar plus mm-hmm. on the retainer side, retainers have run minimums of eight to $12,000 a month, all the way up to $25,000 a month. Wow. So, um, you know, when we look at um, the breadth of services for in, in charging for time, you know, like most agencies, a uh, blended rate between 150 and $200 an hour, depending on work, whether that's production, strategy, client services, et cetera. Gotcha. And are you reporting your, your tracking time, but are you ever letting your clients in on sort of how time is spent? Uh, not really. Uh, we, and, and they don't ask, we, we just try and make it, you know, value based. You know, I joke, you know, sometimes, you know, it, it's two hours of work and 10 years of experience. And sometimes it's, you know, a hundred hours of work and you only paid 50 hours to get it done. Honestly, whatever it takes to get the project done. Mm-hmm. And this is my other thing with, with freelancers is, are you a freelancer or are you an entrepreneur? And, and the real difference is, you know, when you're a freelancer, you only get paid for the hours you work. When you're an entrepreneur and you start a company, technically, if you have the right processes in place and the right people in place, if you were to leave that company for a year, when you came back, it'd be more profitable than when you, than it was when you were there because you would have hired the right people, Right. And they would all be smarter than you are. Like, that's the idea. When you're charging for your time, 
Well, obviously, as you do things more, you're going to get more efficient at them. So if you're charging $100 an hour today and it takes you an hour to do something, next year, it shouldn't take you an hour to do it. It should take you like 30 minutes. So are you really going to charge $50 now to do that same thing? Like, congratulations, you just cut your revenue in half. Like, why would you do that? So that's why I don't like to get in the, like, yes, it's two hours of time plus 10 years of experience or 15 years of experience. That's a good way of putting it. Well, let's see. We talked about tools a little bit already. Um, You said use Slack and Asana. We both use those tools um, here as well. Is there any other... um, vital uh, software tools that you use for your business? Um, Highrise for, uh, from 37 signals. Um, I recommend Proposify for, um, proposals. Mm-hmm. Uh, we use QuickBooks for finance, Moz for, for SEO, mm-hmm. um, pocket and Evernote. Um, so pocket for, you know, finding things on the web, um, Evernote, like, probably everybody else does. Um, we do use some, some Raven and then, um, Majestic, SEM rush, Ahrefs. So there's still some, you know, there's still a little bit of SEO DNA still left over yeah. that we use. Um, and then obviously our, you know, Google analytics, um, we use Hotjar is one of our tools for tracking, you know, what's going on on our clients' websites. That's been a, a great tool for us. Oh, I haven't heard of that before. It's called Hotjar. Yeah, Hotjar. So it's a tracking tool you install on your clients' websites and it allows the opportunity to watch their mouses as they move move across their website. Oh, okay. Well, awesome. It's been great talking to you. It's a ton of awesome advice and uh, experience as well that you have and that you've shared with us. So I was wondering if you could leave us with three takeaways things that you've learned along your journey to creating a successful creative agency? Yeah, sure. So my, my takeaways would be look for projects and retainers for the opportunity to, to grow and for people that will pay for it. So throwing things out there, communicating expectations, you obviously don't win every opportunity, but you also won't feel like you're wasting your time. And then managing your own perspective, or I'm sorry, your own patience. Realizing that switching from project-based selling and $3,000 websites or $5,000 websites and $1,500 audits is way different than $15,000, $50,000 websites and $10,000, dollars $25,000 monthly retainers. Like those are just different worlds. And the sales cycle on them just takes a lot longer. So just having that patience and perspective, I think is, is number one. Um, I think another thing that's really, really important as you move to the next level of client is taking the time to work on your story. That's what these companies are buying. They're buying your experience. They're buying your leadership. They're buying your perspective. So what you do, who you do it for, but communicate that. So, we've been able to turn our story into a process, right? So we build brands, amplify channels, minimize risk. That gives us a conversation point and it gives us a starting point to take things through. And it also gives a point of reference to our clients and it gives them something that they can resonate with and start with about what Rogue is able to do for them. Um, And then the two last things are around, you can't do everything, so find your specialty. 
don't be all things to all people. So whether it's, you know, you're the SEO or the paid media or the branding and strategy or the web design or the social or the inbound or the PR, whatever it is. But if you're sitting here saying we do SEO and paid media and we do websites and we do social, then you've already lost. You do the thing. So don't be the wandering generality, be the meaningful specific and also keep hunting for talent. So, you know, this is the knowledge based economy and it's the agencies with the best team possible that win. So, you know, it's like sports, you know, it's not about the best players or individuals. It's about the best team and, you know, it's hiring for fit and not talent. So, you know, when you're filling your roster with the right people, um, I think there's a couple of things that are needed. You know, you need a money person, you need a technology person, you need a client person, you need a recruiter person, and you need a salesperson. There's a thing going that you need like three people, a hustler, a hacker, and a hipster. Like those are the three <laughs> things you need for an agency. Um, and then when you hire people, I think you should hire based on four criteria, energy, hustle, integrity, and talent. And honestly, I think talent is at the bottom of that list. If you can find people who have energy and hustle, who are knowledge seekers, who are lifelong learners, like that's what this industry needs. And that is what you should start with. Talent's always there. Like the people who are want to be in this world, I think they're automatically talented in something. They have a gift in X and you can always find the gift. But the energy hustle, lifelong learners, like that's, those are the people that, that you have to find. That's great advice. I can't wait to uh, re-listen to this podcast and reabsorb all the information you've uh, <laughs> bestowed upon us. That's awesome. Sure. No, my, my pleasure. And thank you again for, for the opportunity and for, uh, for having me on. You bet. You've been listening to the Creative Agency Podcast with your host, Chris Bolton. When he's not podcasting or being a dad, he's the Digital Strategy Director at Murmur Creative in Portland, Oregon. Be sure to visit us online at creativeagencypodcast.com.